This morning we're celebrating Palm Sunday. When we look at Jesus' triumphal entry, this is the, the, the day that kind of kickstarts off Holy Week for us, where we get Monday, Thursday, we get Good Friday, we get Holy Saturday, and then we get Easter Sunday. And all four Gospels record this occasion and its significance because it is the fulfillment of Zechariah 9, verse 9, which reads as follows, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious and lowly, riding on a donkey. Jesus Christ comes not in power on a white stallion with an army behind him like Caesar might have, but he comes on a donkey in humility. And we see that the one who comes in the name of the Lord brings peace. He is acclaimed by the people and he is crowned in praise. And while all four Gospels have that line from Psalm 118, 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, only John's Gospel has the line, Jesus, the King of Israel. And I wonder what it would have been like to to be there. I love to do this. Don't you love to do it too? Let's do it. Ready? We're going to hop in with Bill and Ted into the phone booth, and we're going back Palm Sunday, and we're going to do this, right? So you're there, right? You got there. You're you're getting ready for Passover. You're about to slaughter the lamb. You got the whole feast and everything going on. And then you hear that this Jesus is coming into town. This Jesus who's, who's been healing people, who's been casting out demons, who just recently raised a dude from the dead, and you decide, you know what? I'm going to check it out. So you throw on your coat, you get there, and it's absolute mayhem. People are shouting. People are going crazy. They're climbing up palm branches. They're sawing them down. They're throwing them on the road. They're taking off their coats. They're throwing them in the road. And you're like, what is going on? I got to imagine it's like being at a baseball game when they hand you the boomwhackers. Remember the boomwhackers? You remember the boomwhackers. You get them, and you're just banging them, right? You're loving the boomwhackers, the noise. You don't know why you're doing it. The only thing you do know is you're popping them so your kid doesn't bring it home afterwards, but you're loving the boomwhackers at the moment. And I got to think that that is exactly exactly what it must have been like to be there. You don't get it. I don't think they got it. Because if they got it, they wouldn't have been shouting what they were shouting on Sunday compared to what they start shouting on Friday. I think we can say that it's okay that the people there probably didn't get it because we've seen that a lot in the Gospel of John, especially in the people that we've looked at. We know the disciples don't get it. We know the Nicodemus didn't get it. The woman of the well doesn't quite get it. The people that we have looked at in Jesus and John's gospel just quite don't get it. So I want to ponder this question. What king do you think they wanted? What king do you think they wanted? What kind of reign did they want to see Jesus have in their lives? Maybe as we're walking around, we might have asked a few people, and maybe we would have come across one guy who would have said, My king needs to be a mighty warrior. I want him to be the one who's going to lead this nationalist insurrection against Rome and make Israel a great nation again. Maybe someone would have said, like Nicodemus or one of the Pharisees, I want someone, I want a king who's going to come in, pat me on the back and say, hey, you're doing a great job. You were doing such a good job with all those rules and regulations and those things. You are way better than everybody else. I'm loving your style and the way you live. Maybe like the woman at the well and the people that Jesus fed, those 5,000 When she first says, hey, give me that water so I don't have to keep coming back here to work. Or those people who are like, hey, we'll take a free meal. If you're just going to feed us every day, that's the kind of king we want. Someone who's going to give us free food, preferably Chick-fil-A. Now, maybe you run across someone who says, you know what? The kind of king I want needs to heal me. I'm going through a little something right now. But once he heals me, then he can kind of leave me alone and go on his way and I'll do my thing. 
Maybe somebody else just lost someone. And they thought, well, if he sees me, he'll bring back that person that I lost. Maybe they just wanted to be famous and they said, hey, Jesus is pretty famous. If I can be around him, if I can be in his presence, maybe I can get famous too. And while you're thinking about what kind of king they would have wanted, what kind of king do you want? What kind of king do you want to reign in your life? Because the danger lies in thinking, well, you know what? Jesus died for my sins, and he gives me eternal life, and that's the end of his reign in my life. The rest is up to me now to be king or queen. Now quickly we take what we want from the king, and then we turn back to ourselves or the other advisors in our lives who teach us how we ought to be and to live. As we turn to the latest studies to teach us how to, to love, how to be happy, how to find purpose. As we tune into the, the, the talk show or the bestseller, teaching us how to get along better with our family or how to view ourselves. And suddenly we lose all sense of knowing the difference between information and wisdom. It's as if one second with Jesus we're shouting one thing and a few days later we find ourselves shouting something else. And if you hear nothing today, I want you to know that the king did not come just to give his life for the forgiveness of your sins, and that's it. But rather, the king came to give you even more. And perhaps I started us the wrong way by asking us the wrong question. It shouldn't be, what kind of king do you want? The real question is, what kind of king do we have? And what does he want? The king we have, if you'll permit me to read what I already read from Philippians and just add a few things to it is like this. We have a king who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage and instead cleansed the temple, got rid of all the showy religion and put a towel around his waist and made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant, he washes feet. And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and watched his friends fall asleep. Watched his friend betray him. Watched his friends abandon him and his friend deny him. And as a king, he stood silent as they made false claim after false claim. He turned the cheek as they slapped it, ripped out his beard, and spit in his face. And as a king, he would wear a crown of thorns and humble himself, become obedient to death, even death on a cross. And on that cross, our king ensures that you will be in his presence forever, that even though you die, you will live, that even though pain, sickness, addiction, and brokenness will cling to us, he will make you whole and heal you. By his own body and blood, he will feed you and give you what you need. And that a system of rules and regulations that are meant to help you earn love and keep it will be done away with and replaced only with his grace and mercy. And that because he has conquered sin, death, and the power of the devil, you will be called more. 
more than conquerors. And what does your king want? The answer is you. Your king wants all of you, the whole of you, the physical, the emotional, the intellectual parts, all of you, and he wants your trust. It's as Luther says, right? Whatever your heart trusts is, in fact, your God. And to trust in the king Jesus is to have confidence in him, in every dimension of our life, that he is loving and merciful and is the source of all goodness and righteousness. Christ as king means he rules your head and your heart and your hands. And everything flows from him and for him. And that's not easy. It's not easy to stop being king or queen and let Christ alone rule in our lives. G.K. Chesterton said it like this, Christian discipleship has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. And I think that's especially relevant for us today because we live in a time where we get everything immediately and right away. Things can download right away. You can get fast food right away. You can get two-day delivery on Amazon, though now I hear you can get the same day. That's pretty cool, but it doesn't fit in the message, so ignore it. But how crazy is that? We get it right away. And then we start thinking, well, in Christ, we've been given everything, and we want it Veronica Salt style or Veruca Salt style now. We want it right now. But we need to remember that we are becoming, we are becoming who we will be forever. Or as St. Paul says, confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Letting Christ be king is just a way of saying discipleship. And discipleship is not a wham-bam and done. It's a lifetime of renewing your mind and walking with him and for him and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you as you connect, grow, and share. So I want you to try something for me. Would you do that? Would you try one thing for me? Can I get a yes? He, got, he said, we got one yes in the room, so I'm gonna keep going. So here's the one thing I want you to try. I found that this has kind of helped me in my walk, right? We read a lot and we hear a lot about you need to live in the Spirit, you need to walk in the Spirit, you need to do those types of things, right? We've heard that before. We've read that, come across it in Scripture one or two times. And I sometimes think that we get caught up in that mentality of, okay, immediately, completely, I'm going to be walking in the Spirit. I'm going to be doing everything that way. And I struggle with that. But what I have found is helping me, helping me bring in these moments of walking with Christ and helping me refocus my mind is just to, just to kind of pause. And so I want you to purposely start to schedule in about 30 seconds, a minute if you want to be a big timer, to just take a break and refocus your thinking. So you take out your calendar, you put it in, you think, you know what, I'm going to drop the kids off tomorrow at 8.07 because I don't want to sit in the traffic. And then at 8.08, I'm going to take 30 seconds, pull over to the side of the road to be safe, and take just a moment. I've got a big meeting tomorrow at 9.30. Before I walk in, right there when I get to the door, I'm just going to take a deep breath, and I'm going to let my mind go back. I'm in school. Third period's pretty rough. When Mr. whatever starts teaching, that's when I'm going to go right into that moment of this. Strategically putting these times throughout, pausing, taking a moment, and bringing yourself back into the awareness of this. That Christ Jesus is your king. That he is in you. And that he is with you. 
and let his presence lead and rule in your head, in your heart, and in your hands. Allow that moment to help you become aware of that. And it'll start to flow into what you are doing, the thoughts you are having, the things you are saying. A reminder of who you are and the way that you love with your hands. And little by little, by his grace, you find yourself living life in his kingdom rather than your own. So joyfully go into this week of victory, this week of triumph, as we celebrate what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the King who has been exalted in the highest place and given the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Christ is King. To the glory of God the Father. Amen.